everyone, this is Elizabeth from Married to the Idea. Well, I know why you're here. You're here for an in-depth, thoughtful, analytical discussion about a movie or television show, and we will get to that. But first, for your listening pleasure, enjoy the best riffs we had while watching the live-action remake of Beauty and the Beast. I'm not happy, Aaron. Well, you chose this. I know I chose it. Halloween was my idea. This was your idea. Oh, and so I have to suffer? Yeah, absolutely. Ah, that seems unfair. <laughs> oh, it's been in real France. Well, you know that means that they're all going to get executed in a matter of decades because <laughs> of the revolutions. Well, they're, they're doomed to remain a beast. Why do I hate the villagers more in this than I did in the original? He calls her bookworm. I really want to get the etymology of bookworm out to see if that was around in 18th century France. Because now I oh care. Oh my god, yeah. I want to see if that was actually a thing from back then. They're trying so hard to recreate the original. They are. Like, almost to a the detriment. That's the, I mean, I've said before, and I'll say it again. If you are remaking something, there has to be a reason for it. Yeah. You're athletically inclined. Yeah, I just... I do like the one line... She has a certain je ne sais quoi. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Okay. I don't like the whole... Positively primeval. Positively primeval. Oh, Kevin Klein. How do you get seeds from a rose? Rose hips. You have to cut the stems and the rose hips and you plant them. It has something to do with buds, not seeds. Okay. You can buy rose seeds, but they're well, basically okay, rose hips. Okay, so if you... So let me ask you this then. If that's how you get seeds, how do you get a kiss from a rose? You gotta plant out a grave. And come on, how did you not see that coming? Oh my goodness, a woman that knows how to read! Teaching her how to read? Well, that's just terrifying! What? I say! I like her cardigan, which is so circa 1980 or even 1970, not 1700s. Hey, CGI wolves! Don't make me get Liam Neeson on your ass! <laughs> Oh, she's holding me a just rat. Oh. <laughs> I see this coming, and my wire team is ready. <laughs> I use antlers, antlers in all of my decorating. decorating. I, I think th I think that's that that is the word for this entire movie. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. Why do the Bim Bets have little bows that look like bunny ears? Who knows? Who cares? Oh, because he says a hundred doesn't waste his time on rabbit rabbits. Okay, okay! <laughs> Something subtle and it works! I call it a acne accent for it. Because I'm a commoner person, you say. Um, excuse me, what girl? What girl are you talking about? Because I'm an enchanted mirror, not a fucking mind reader. Because there's no other girl that's ever shown up. Exactly. Now that would have been an interesting concept. What if there were other girls that had tried and failed before? You know, I I um I think you're right. I I actually think I read something about this one time though. Actually, uh, that's my book. No, no, no. I'm talking about the one book where like he actually has a girl in the the castle, but he meets another one. Like one is like where he's trying to be man, and the other one is like where he's actually beastly. And and what well, it's like it was really a weird title. It sounded like. Are we gonna um, color? Are we gonna plug my book endlessly? Hell yeah. Yeah yeah. <laughs> So in this movie, Grey stuff is caviar. Ugh. His hat rack is one of the most compelling characters in this entire movie. It's, it's there's, there's a serious problem. A serious problem 
when your weakest part of a musical is the songs. And why there's a cut to black there, I will never understand. To give the audience a breath so they can catch up clap. with their hearts. Oh, applaud! Applaud oh, in our CGI! Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> All right. No one's gonna make sure I go up to my room. West Wing, here I come. There's a part of me that wanted that bed to just be filled with animal carcasses and bones. Yeah, there it is. There, I knew it. I remember it. Okay, I was about to say, I thought he his, did. His, eat, his eaten pit. Yeah. <laughs> this here's my eating pit. This here's my shitting pit. And this here, this be my mighting pit. <laughs> Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Oh my god, you're right. <laughs> Fun doesn't start till I walk in. Yeah. Hey, how you doing? I, I call myself Scar. Is that a is that a property of someone else? I don't think so. He got so much more angry with Maurice saying that he can't marry her. Than he did with Belle. Well, because he he says that's him saying that her father, as a man, has more right to say who she will and will not marry than she does. She has no autonomy. Bringing the, the misogyny into it, huh? Yeah, I got okay. to. I got to blow my shit. No, 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 no. Like I'm, I'm I, in this time, in this day and age, I can actually for when this movie is based, I can see that. Oh, in her. This beast is so pouty. I'm gonna talk about him like he isn't here. I think he's asleep at this point. I know half the audience is, ho, oh! Tarzan and Jane, see Dick run, see Dick jump, Belle and Beast, Romeo and Juliet, we ain't having none of that unculture shit here. Let's go ice skating like in the crappy sequel. <laughs> we'll have Tim Curry as a random organist. Step one, take a bookworm to a bookstore. Step two, oh god, they're gone. Step three, where do they go? Oh god. Step four. Why do you have a basket? There are no baskets in here. Step five. No, we can't buy all of them. Step six. You're buying all of them. <laughs> it's not hoarding if it's books. Yes, it is. Look at all the costume pieces you can buy, girls. Look at all the new things that like Belle the wears. Cuff and like the necklace that has nothing else to do. You remember those things we used for the 3D elements of the ceiling of her room we never actually explained or looked at closely? Now it's gonna make her dress look all sparkly. Yep. Gotta sell those clothes, Disney. Gotta sell those costumes. You know what? She looks good in the dress. Of course she does. Because she's pretty. This version is 45 minutes longer than the original version. Yep. Because if we're gonna remake it, by golly, we're gonna cram in a bunch of extra stuff to pad out that runtime. It sounds like a Josh Groban song jumped in the middle of this movie. This is Alan, this is not Alan Menken. This is the guy who did Phantom. Fuck this character. Killer! 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 Oh, you love him? Here you go. He can be pretty now. Human Prince is more handsome than Beast in this version. <laughs> yeah. Who are you? Bell, seriously, I just changed in front of you. What else do I have to do? Why is a knight with wings better than a horse with wings? Who knows? One of the many questions that will never be answered. Absolutely. Hey guys, I'm wearing shorts. There's a thing called shorts. We're all going to be wearing them now. Until I get beheaded. You know what? Let's make them out of a jean material. Let's call them jorts. I like to wear dresses. I'm okay with that. Run, 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 run. 
I, why? I don't why, know. Why did that have to be the last shot? I don't know. All right. Ready to actually talk about this for Let's real this. now? Let's do this. Come on. He's Aaron. She's Elizabeth. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea. And good lord, do we have a doozy for you today. I have been pushing Elizabeth um, to hold off on doing this. And she has somehow relented and has been absolutely patient while we did Halloween and all of this good junk. And we are now in November. And uh, November is a time for thanks, for for family, for uh, remembering what good you've had in your life. Except for that's not what we were going to talk about today. No, uh, we are, as you ha can see from the uh, the title card, that we are doing Beauty and the Beast, the 2017 version, the uh, the Emma Watson. Uh, live-action adaptation. Um, not that Emma Watson did it herself, but the live-action adaptation. So, uh, Liz, uh, for those of you who don't know, and if you don't know Elizabeth, this uh, this may come as a shock. Elizabeth loves Beauty and the Beast to the point that we have not one, not two, not three, not four, but five different pieces of Beauty and the Beast memorabilia in our bedroom alone. And even more than that, um, and, and that's just in our bedroom. You know, when you walk out to our, our living room, you know, I can easily count, let's see, one, uh, actually, I thought there was something up on the wall, but it's one. Okay, so there's less out here than there's in the bedroom. But there's, truth be told, she is a huge fan. She is such a big fan that she actually wrote her own uh, version of the story called Colorblind. I have personally read it, and it is very good. That is an unbiased view where I've had to be unbiased with book reviews in the past, and it, 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 I've read some doozies of terrible stingers. This is not one of those. This is a very good book. We'll probably put the link up to uh, where to purchase it on Amazon, and um, and if you guys would like a signed copy, my wife would be happy to oblige, uh, happy to oblige as well. So when I say that I am holding back the reins right now, she is itching. She's her knee is just bouncing up and down. Her hand is just shaking, and she's just trembling at the thought. She's raring to just rip this to shreds because of how much she did not like this version she has watched the uh the 1990s uh beauty and the beast part of the original disney renaissance i i, I have to say close to the triple digits uh, am i wrong please 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 tell me am i wrong is it close to the triple digits am i allowed to talk now no not yet um i am holding back because elizabeth is going to rant for probably most of this podcast um we uh, j literally just got done watching it, and the entire time we were making fun of this thing and asking questions uh, that we are not going to receive answers to, and uh, I am going to, I, I, I kind of pulled her back some on the Civil War uh, podcast, and uh, truth be told, um, 
I think I even didn't hold her or hold her back enough on that one. However, I am going to let you go loose. After rewatching it and being like, you know what? It could have been better. I am going to let you just go. So I'm going to say a couple quick things. First off, uh, let's do the plugs. Because I remember to do it at the beginning. Uh, so go ahead. Do, do your plug. <laughs> you do want me to plug because you don't remember it. I don't remember all. Because uh, I, I don't want to tell them the wrong stuff. You can follow us on Facebook at Married to the Idea, Twitter at Married Number Two The Idea, email us at Married to the Idea Reviews at gmail.com, or if you forget any of those links, you can check out our website, Married to the Idea Weebly.com, and check out the About Us page for all of those links. We would love to hear your suggestions for future episodes. Questions you have about opinions that we have that you may not share. Uh, unpopular opinions. As you can see, we're not afraid to share unpopular opinions. We want to hear yours, too. Yes, uh, we absolutely want to hear that. If, you, if you're if you like, oh, well, you know what? Uh, Goosebumps was actually pretty good. You know, we'd say you're wrong, but we'd love to hear why you think you're right. Or, um, you know, something along those lines. So There's a reason there isn't a guest tonight. Because everyone's terrified of me. Yeah, um, I'm sure we probably could have found someone for tonight. The unholy rage I hold within this body. The fire. The flames. <laughs> hot, white fl flames on, on my face. Uh, and... Um, the other thing I wanted to say, or well, besides my my quick two cents, um, is do stay till the very end. I'm going to do another question, and we're trying to get more and more people to uh, uh, it, it give us answers to these and uh, all that good junk. So, uh, my quick two cents is: you're allowed to speak up while I go. I'm not going to rant nearly as hard as you think. First time I watched this movie, I ranted hard. I didn't let you get a word in edgewise. Yeah, this is second viewing. I'm okay. I'm okay. You've you've matured since okay. then. You've cooled down. I'm okay. It's fine. I'm okay. It's fine. It's fine. Oh. It's fine. Folks, be scared. That does not mean it's fine. Disney should not be in the career field of making terrible fanfic. And that is what the live-action adaptation of Beauty and the Beast is, my friends. We are back to the days of direct-to-DVD sequels with this one. I cannot believe someone saw this and said, Yep, this is ready to go out to all the fans, to all the casual viewers. This is what we were asking for. And folks, I wanted this to be good. I gain nothing if this was terrible. I wanted to be good so bad. I dressed up. We went to the theater the day it opened. We sat down. We were so excited. And there was a point. There was a point in this movie where I suddenly realized I wasn't having fun. I was not enjoying this. And the more I sat there and the more it happened, the less and less happy I was, the more and more angry and betrayed and hurt I felt. And when the credits finally rolled, 
I had things to say. So many things to say. And then I saw a young girl dressed up as Belle, walking out of the theater, smiling, so happy. All these little children singing the songs, so wonderfully pleased. And I said to Aaron, who is looking at me very attentively, because he knows how much this movie means to me. I said, Aaron, we need to get to the car because I do not want to ruin these people's good time. If you like this movie, that's great. I have nothing but admiration for people who like things that I don't like, that I can't find joy in. Nothing but credit and adulation. However, don't think for a second that I did not calm down on that walk from the movie theater to the car. Nope. Let's get to the real big problem of this. Philippe is supposed to be a Clydesdale. Okay, guys? Oh, my god. He's supposed to be a Clydesdale, not a freaking white stallion. Let's just all get it out in the open, because this is the real big problem of this movie. Am I right, or am I right? I am right, but get there on, are... Get on to the actual problem. Oh, you mean how it's a shot-for-shot shot remake with no reason to exist? The singing is terrible. The original songs have no need to be there. You care more for the secondary characters, and it adds a bunch of realism to a fairy tale story. Yeah, I guess we could talk about all those things. All right, let's break it down. I am not gonna bother with telling you the story. You know the story. Beast it's a, a tale as old as time. Ah, you're so good, babe. Beast in a castle, cursed to be a beast until he finds true love and someone can love him in return. Young girl in a village who is odd and different than the rest and wants more. They meet up and things ensue to the point where they both learn to love each other. Spell broken. You know the story. I know the story. We all know the story. We all know the we story. We all know the story. Okay. Let's get this over with. Emma Watson can't sing, but that doesn't matter. I, I don't agree with that. I think she can sing. I don't think she can sing in this role. She was not provided the adequate training because she wasn't going to be singing in the original run of this she movie. She got training from Paige O'Hara herself. Paige O'Hara trained her on how to act like Belle, not to sing. Because Paige O'Hara is a singer. She is not a singer trainer. I love Paige O'Hara. She is fantastic. She's my favorite Belle. I love her to death. You got to meet her. Christy Carlson Romano got to meet her. <laughs> Everyone loves Paige O'Hara. My concern is that if it if all it was was that, oh, Emma Watson is auto-tuned, that's not enough to ruin a movie, guys. And if that's enough to ruin your movie, you're, uh, there's a lot of other problems then. Because that shouldn't be enough to wreck a movie. Um, I knew that going in. I wanted to like it anyway. I didn't care, you know. It's nice that back in the Disney Renaissance, all the Disney princesses could sing and the actresses for the voice could sing and act. That was really cool that Disney did that. They didn't have to do that. They didn't always did that. It was cool. If you're not going to do it, that's fine. The Beast is CGI. We live in a CGI world, folks. We aren't allowed to have practical effects anymore because they're too expensive and can only be viewed from one side. It would be so much cooler if you could have practical effects mixed with CGI, so it actually has believability, but no, he's gonna be all CGI. Well, you know what? That's fine, too. If he's a compelling actor and a compelling story, it's all good. But Aaron, what did you think of The Beast? I thought The Beast was an interesting um, transition 
to be um, the guy who played Beast. Uh, I think it was not not Dan Stevens. It yeah, is. Dan Stevens. I think he did a good job in his own right. But I don't think he was as good as, as Robbie Benson. I like Robbie Benson's voice better, his actual, um, his mannerisms better. The storytelling, like, there's some things that Robbie Benson did better because Robbie Benson had a better. It's so hand hard to tell with the CGI. I know he's there walking in a green suit with ping pong balls, but it's so hard to tell if that was really him emoting and acting or if it's the animators pulling the strings you know it just never felt married they never felt like they were in sync with each other you said yourself the sound mixing seemed off to you the the sound mixing for the song specifically like it's really bad when a um musical the weakest part of the songs mm -hmm. well we said the same thing looking at the editing for this the editing is bananas. They cut so often to the same scene so many times it's so strange why do that and I wish it wasn't like that. I wish that it was easier to marry those two things together. You you have a template, guys. You love your template so much that you made basically the exact same movie, just with a camera instead of a pen. An adaptation or a remake has to have a purpose besides make money. It has to. Well, to, to be a good adaptation. Yes, of course. Adaptations make money all the time. Well, even when they're terrible. But to be a good adaptation, there must be a reason for a new story to be told. And from the first lick of this, they tried. They, they provide a narration, not through stained glass window. They give this whole Baroque French aristocracy, aristocracy feel. Ar aristocracy. Aristocracy feel to the story, which is different. But welcome. It makes the whole thing feel a little phantom, Les Mis, but I get it. They run through the, they run through the beautiful narration and just don't let any of the actors play it out. We were saying when we were watching it with the volume low, you know, this would be a lot better if there was no dialogue here. If we were just like watching a pantomime of this, which is what the stained glass window is all about. It's told through narration pantomime of a stained glass this one it's like when she refused when he refused her a second time like, you never saw that don't you be lying to me narration you're saying that because that's what it said in the original <laughs> not because it's what you're recording right now on film and then we get to the opening and this movie is so in love with the way that it plays the exact same songs verbatim that it has pauses after lines, eight count pauses, just for the audience to take in the general splendor and be like, Ooh, <laughs> wow, look, what woo. general mirth we are having. <laughs> Every, I'm going to say 75% of this is shot for shot verbatim and dialogue from the original. I'm going to say if less. I'm going to say if it is well a above scene, 50. Uh, well above 50, but I'm going to say in between. I'm going to say 65. If it is a scene that existed in the original, it shot the exact same as the original. They 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 held to that kind of uh, standard a lot. Yes, and, absolutely. And guys, I love the original. I love it. 
oh, you... I'm not feeling well. Oh, I'm going to watch the director's cut of Beauty and the Beast. That's Elizabeth. I know everything about this movie. I got so many books. This isn't going to be a podcast like, I know more so better so clearly. No, this is a person who has a great and well, abiding... actually... Shut up. With a great and abiding love for this story that Disney took and ran with. Disney had six months, no, nine months worth of a movie settled that looked exactly like this movie. It was set in a French aristocracy. It had these fancy gowns and powdered wigs. Everything looked more French. Everything sounded more French. It stayed much more closely to the original story of there was a girl and her father and she had three brothers and three sisters and they all had to leave the uh, city because they were kicked out. This and that, blah, blah, blah. Follow the story so clearly. They got through nine months of this. They go and present it and they're like, we can't do this. This is unfilmable. The two main characters have not yet met, and you are 45 minutes into this movie. <laughs> so they had to scrap everything. They had to go back to stage one. They had to make, okay, how do we get our two protagonists closer together faster? How do we cut the fluff from this fairy tale and get the kernel of the important parts? And they did it, and it was great. So I know how hard it is to adapt this story. I know what leaps they had to take. Yes, there are a bunch of leaps in logic in the original that make no sense. Uh, how the seasons turned so quickly. How long was she in that castle? How long was Marie searching for her? All these little things. But the minute you drag logic into a fairy tale, you open up a whole other host of problems that did not exist before. Fairy tales are emotional. They have to emotionally resonate before they logically resonate. And that's why stories like Cinderella, even though it's not very complex, or the character is not the best character, you emotionally feel what she's going through and you fear this villain. This villain, all she is, she just has control over one girl's life. That's all her villainy is, and yet she is terrifying. So when you get into a story like Beauty and the Beast, you have to figure out how far you're willing to go to capture the essence of the original. And to the director, his essence of capturing the original was, let's just shoot the original again. And whenever they would do that, didn't it felt like watching it again, it was the same thing. They would start a song, and the song sounds like the original song, and everything's there. And you're like, oh, look at the blocking and the staging. And then all of a sudden, a new line of dialogue or new characters thrown in, and you're like, what is happening here? So it was just, and then it would go back into the original. It kept jarring me back and forth. Do you want to be the original or do you want to be something different? You gotta pick something. <laughs> you can't, you can't do both. I'm sorry, you can't. There can be Nas the original. You can use the characters of the original and you can adapt. Case in point, Maurice. Maurice is like the best, best change that they made for this movie. He not only is um a much more developed character his uh his funny moments are so much more genuinely funny so and not funny. just like oh ha ha he's clumsy or oh ha ha he's <laughs> weird looking yeah they updated it which is great he's not a bumbling fool anymore like he yeah he might be a little clumsy but he's not like like Pants fall down, get knocked in head with bricks. Yeah. <laughs> He's not LeFou in the original one. No, I guess that's not true. Yeah. Um, and to her credit, uh, Kevin Klein and Emma Watson have the best chemistry out of anyone in this movie. I think it's partially because of uh, Kevin Klein, because Kevin Klein has that charisma that can easily be like, oh, I like him. Mm -hmm. 
Aaron, what's your take on remakes? Because I know that there are some movies that you've watched that are remakes of the original, and you're like, you know what, I kind of like that better than the original, or ones where you're like, no, you like totally shot all over what the original was so good about. It's honestly, it's not just the concept of remakes or reimaginings or reboots or whatever you want to call them. It's not just all of them. It's it how it's treated, how it's how it views the original, and uh, in reality, it's if they actually do something different with it or not. Because the whole reason to remake or redo, reboot, reimagine, whatever a property again is to have something different. So, like, one of the most recent examples of this, besides Beauty and the Beast, is It. And in the original It, A, it was made for a TV series, B, it was made in 1990, and C, the effects and the filmmaking and everything along those lines have vastly improved in the last 27 years. So, with that being said... You know, it was made this, you know, for this year. The filmmaking's so much stronger. The characters are more well developed. They make some decisions that are not good, and they make a ton that are amazing and made a better overall experience. Mm -hmm. But then you've got schlock like this. Or you know what? I'm gonna give I'm gonna like give I've this movie some credit. You. Like my hate has rubbed no, off. No, I'm gonna me give somewhat. this movie a little bit more credit. The schlock that was Cinderella. Yeah. That movie was unnecessary, ungodly bad. And like it just. They did just... the same thing that I think they did with this. They made their princess a modern 21st century woman, and I don't know why. Because that's that's the Tim Burton thing. It's show what the main character is not. She's not like her peers. She's not willing to wear corsets. She's not willing to uh, stick to the rules and not imagine things. But they never tell what she is. Yeah. She can only be so much against, you know, ahead of her time, as it were. And against the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about that. I mean, there are points where they show Belle in a way that would be different, like her inventing a washing machine. That's such a Belle thing. Yeah. Because Belle would want time to read books, and she's smart, and her father knows about gears, and she helps him in his shop, so she would figure out a way to do this so she could have some more time to do things that she likes to do. Agreed. Yeah, but then we get the villagers, which turn oh my into God. cartoon There's cutouts. There's one... Yeah, I hate the villagers so much more in this than I do in the original. In the original, they were like... Like, oh, they're kind of silly and like, oh. It's they a... don't understand her, Ooh, but, but she doesn't understand them either. Yeah, it's... so it's kind of a mutual misunderstanding. So in this one, they're like actively like, oh my God, she's teaching another girl how to read. The devil is in this one, I say. The <laughs> devil. There's a priest there. You never says that? I know. <laughs> I feel like if the priest was in, is was one of the people in the towns, you know it would have been said. Uh-huh. But, like, there's this one townswoman, this stupid decision by the filmmakers to make this one townswoman, like, have way too much screen time, way too many lines, and, like, have a direction that should not have been made. She's, like, this old, like, older kind of 
spidery, thin woman, like like kind of like a the the mother other mother from Coraline. Like yeah. she's kind of like she's real, all angles. Yeah, and like she's got this weird hat on, and then she's got all of her hair tucked in except for this uh the poof the bouffant or whatever it is the pompadour bump, the uh, kind of, instead of because pompadours kind of come straight out and then maybe go back up or you know swirl in it's more like hers like did the bump thing where it like rolls back up on itself it looks so stupid but beyond that her actions every time she says something she says it with a snarl and a like uh uh imagine a female version of um Oh, God, what is his name from Harry Potter? Filch. <laughs> yeah. like, like, talking through their teeth. A and just real, filch. real, ugh. Yeah, she, she's a female Filch. And, like, nastier than Filch. Oh, <laughs> uh, every time. Like, during the um, uh, Townspeople song, like, at one point, Gaston is singing, and, like, he's he lit a torch and is, like, trying to help everyone else light up. And then she's got, like, a line, and she says it with the, so much vile and poison. I'm just like, get off the fucking screen. <laughs> oh, my. It, I was, I, like, every time she was on screen, I just rolled my eyes and just, ugh. And it's not a, it's nothing against this actress herself. It's the decisions that the filmmakers made and the decisions that she made as the actress that led me to absolutely despise that character. Mm-hmm. And not like in a oh she's so evil I hate her. It's, it's like get off the screen. I do not need to have need to have you in my life. I think that that whole point feeds into one of the major problems I have with this as an adaptation. Major problems. Major problems. Okay, so let's look at the original Tale of Beauty and the Beast. The very original, which we found out, uh, Villeneuve, uh, the name of the town in the remake, is the last name of one of the original authors of Beauty and the Beast. There are a couple original versions of Beauty and the Beast. Uh, there's a, a, a version by uh, de Beaumont, and there's a version by Villeneuve, so there's a lot of original, you know, that they're trying to figure out which is the first, but they both have very similar ideas. The idea of the original story was to prepare and console young brides. It was, you're going to be, you're going to marry someone, and at first it may appear scary because you're young and this is a new life and it's strange and this man is strange and you don't know much about him. And he's beastly. But if you if you are patient and good and kind, you will see that he is. Even if he's not the most attractive or smart, he will see that he has a kind heart. And that will be more important than those other things. That will be important in the husband. So that was the original intent of the original story. Then we get... The 1990. There are other versions. Uh, Jean Cocteau's version is very interesting. If you want to take a look at that, uh, there are candle. Uh, there are candles being held by arms in the wall. It's very cool. It's very fun, and the makeup is really cool. And it's French, and it's black and white. Um, but then we get Disney's version. And you know, fifty Frenchmen can't be wrong. And you know, uh, guillotine jokes. Why was there a guillotine joke in the middle of this movie? <laughs> okay, so you get to 1990, and you get to the animated version, and. The tone and intent of this adaptation has a lot to do with Alan Menken, who was one of the composers behind this and Little Mermaid. Hugely influential. The idea behind the 1990s Disney adaptation is that 
beauty is found within. Those who are deemed ugly by society and cast off to the edge, not to be looked at, to be shunned, to be hated, to be feared, they shouldn't be. We should be reaching out to those people and we should know that even the most beautiful, handsome people can hide black hearts, whereas the ugliest of creatures may have the kindest of hearts. They did it again with Hunchback of Notre Dame. And the original Hunchback of Notre Dame wasn't about, the, uh, about Quasimodo finding freedom among the Parisians. And it wasn't even about a love story. It was about the building. He, <laughs> Victor Hugo cared more about the building and getting uh, Notre Dame safe for generations to come. And all of the human drama was just that. Human drama amidst this greater scale thing. I can tell I'm going off into a tangent. <laughs> but let's look at the, the, this newest version. What is the intent of this version? To make money. Well, okay, so that's what I'm saying. Like, let's break it down. If, if, we, or if we are to assume that's beyond money, the original version is to um, say that if you're patient and kind, your husband will reveal himself to have a good heart to not be afraid of marriage. The, the Disney version is don't judge those by their appearance um, and beauty is only skin. True beauty is found within. What is the intent of this version? I'm honestly curious. You might be different than the crowd, but that's okay because you're going to marry a prince. Yeah, it feels like this is, it's okay to be different. It's okay to be different because you might find someone else who's also different. And then they might turn out to be a rich prince in a castle. Uh, what? <laughs> no, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, why is that story important? Of all the stories being told right now about Moana, about finding courage and adversity, of Tangled, of, of finding your own independence and taking charge of your destiny, why is the story of it's okay to be odd, not even that odd is better, not even that odd is the morally superior choice, because if it is, that's I don't think that's correct either. By removing a greater black and white villain, where Gaston is supposed to be your villain, everybody loves him, the whole town loves him, they'll do whatever he says, he's the jock, he's the high school quarterback, everybody loves him. And he becomes more and more beastly as it progresses, whereas your beast becomes more and more human, showing more and more compassion and care and devotion and love. By muddying that all up, I fear that you're losing the emotional resonance of this story. Well, the thing is, is Gaston, people probably like this version of Gaston because he's a little bit more human. He is a little less of a stereotype, a little less stereotypical like the, the college or the high school football player slash bully that never really grew up or never really left college. Mm-hmm. You know, or even high school, and it's one of those situations that is it a good change? Maybe is it a bad change? Maybe, but it is certainly a change because the original one was more of a cutout, and it worked really well. Whereas this one has a little bit more layers, a little bit more depth. What does it add to the character itself? Is the question. Mm-hmm. Um, what was one thing in the newest version that just angered you beyond all belief well besides the weird spider besides woman. that woman so many things for me 
for me, it was the magic book. I think I lost oh, my yeah. damn mind at that. They're out in the in the winter. And again, the visuals in this movie are very beautiful. The visuals are not like the original, but they're very cool and very interesting, and I like them. And they are the, their own thing, and that is to be commended. Yeah, but my thing is that... Um... How they shot the, you know, did the shot for shot stuff. It's just. So strange. Yeah. So strange. Have her house in the middle of town. Oh my God. I want much more than this provincial life. Cut to she's run to this field at least two miles away from town and then she finishes her song. And I'm like, guys. Like, I I would want to like. I would get up to that hill and I would want to paraglide off of it with my, uh, my, uh, with, uh, Breath of the Wild. (laughs) I'd get up that hill and be like, and I. Oh, excuse me. Hang on. Whoa, hey, whoa. Gotta breathe. I can't breathe. Um, (laughs) for me, it was the magic book. There was, they're out in the garden and they're talking about, you know, people in my town, they think I'm odd too. They think I'm strange and they don't much like me there either, which is a great character development. Again, if that's the moral of your story, which I feel like it seems to be. they, They seem to have more fun whenever I'm not around them and. Yeah, they have more like, in common. It made them more it's, sympathetic. It does. It was that was done more subtly in the animated version. It's it is inferred that Belle is an oddball and she knows this, but she doesn't let it bother her. And the Beast is also odd and at odds from people around him. They do Papa, they play do you it think suddenly. I'm odd. <laughs> My daughter, odd. <laughs> Where'd you get an idea like that? Um, so and, and like with. Uh, uh, Maurice being almost like Southern in the animated version versus now is yeah Kevin Klein. By the way, Kevin Klein, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the show. I probably would faint if I saw you in person. Oh, he absolutely would. Uh, what that he would come on the show or no? That you would... Uh, you would faint. Yes, one hundred percent. But Kevin Klein as Maurice is one of those few changes that this movie made that is just like. Absolutely, because he's not a car. He's not a cardboard cutout. He's not just a joke. He has so much more depth. Uh, I know we just talked about him, but I, I just I have to keep bringing him up because he's he does did such a good job. No, I really did like him too. I thought all of his stuff was really good. And again, I find him and Emma's chemistry to be the best out of all of this. Yeah, but this book. This book, I mean, like you keep you keep going on. This I book, want to. But... I want to talk about this book. It really angers me. Because, and the more, and I'll tell you why it angers me. It angers me just on impulse. We have this enchantress who cursed this beast in his entire household and his castle, who made everyone forget that he existed to try and fix a plot hole that didn't need fixing. Magic Rose to count down the time. Magic Mirror to see anything he wants to, but that's all he can do is see. Can't touch anything. He's stuck inside this place. All he has is a mirror for the outside world. That's what David Ogden Sears says in the original. They're out in this garden, and he's like, let's run away together. And I'm like, okay, movie. I'll bite. Where, where are we going with this? We go into the library. And he pulls in a book. The cruelest gift the Enchantress gave me. It's a book. It can take us anywhere in the world, but it's all right. It's, it's still the coolest trick because no one could ever, a beast like me couldn't belong anywhere. 
You have a magical teleporting book that can take you anywhere. Yeah. I can see how the Enchantress, who cursed you to live in this castle, cut off from all humanity, would definitely want to keep this book. Yeah, this would be a truly, truly horrible curse. The reason why it bugs me is because, in the end, the book was only there. Only there to address the oh-so-crucial plot point of what happened to Belle's mom. It's such a mystery. Oh my goodness, what happened? Yeah, and, and it, it, it's a bit of a cop-out, too. Like, what, what, happens to Bell, what happened to Belle's mom? Oh, the plague. Why did her father never tell her? Oh, he was protecting her. From what? Catching plague? <laughs> what, is, what did she think? Oh no, Pa. I've caught the plague. <laughs> Black lung. And I don't like that device any more than the liars reveal. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you've been lying to me. I'm going to pout for the, for the final third of the movie until we figure this thing out. It really irks me that that's there because this could have been like a hollow deck from Star Trek if you wanted it to. We can go anywhere. Let's go to the bottom of the ocean. Let's go to India. Let's go to the largest um, library in the world. Oh wait, we're already here. Oh, we're already here. <laughs> now that you did tell me that that scene really made you like. Let's okay. So that, now the the happiest scene. You said that the scene of her in the library. Her was... talking. Her reading to him while he's laying in bed, like. Uh, reading Shakespeare, and he's like, "Oh, Romeo and Juliet, all the whining and the the forced love and all this and all that." And she's like, well, "What if you have something else better?" He's like, "Well, yeah, of course." She's what? And then he takes her to the library, and she's like, "Oh my god, yeah." From then, their the relation from that point on, their relationship feels so much more natural and so much more organic. And specifically when she walks into the library, it's so, I'm like, like, okay, there's Belle. There's Belle. <laughs> she showed up. Yep. Finally. For me, there was one scene during the dance, the Beauty and the Beast dance, because um, they're doing more um, of the time dancing, where, you know, like hands to hands, turn around, things like that. But then he does this really low dip with her, which never happened in the original, and the lights suddenly like get dimmer, and you're like, what's happening? And all of a sudden he lifts her up and spins her at his side, and all of these beautiful twinkling star lights are everywhere, and it's a big 360 spin, and I'm like, that was it, and I got goosebumps. Got it in the theater, got it again here, and I'm like, that's it. That was what the movie should have been all like, and yet it wasn't. I really think like they didn't benefit from having all that CGI because it feels like she's unable to touch him all the time. Yeah, and they were going to do practical effects, and it, I guess it just didn't work out, or they didn't like how it looks, or something, or someone made the call just do it digitally. And just because they did it digitally doesn't make it any better at all. Yeah, like Gollum's a digital character, and he, good lord, works as much as any of the real characters. I think. Like, even from the final scene, like, the final climactic scene where Gaston just keeps shooting him, she, and he jumps to the roof to get to her, and he scrambles up, and she's like, don't jump, it's too far, and he makes it, and he scrambles up. She doesn't run to him to help him up like yeah. she does in the original, and that's a CGI problem right there. I absolutely can tell you for a fact there's a CGI problem because I said, okay, Emma, stand here and look concerned and frightened. Don't actually get up and try to put your hands anymore because then we'll have to animate him underneath your hands convincingly. 
so stay back. It it just adds this extra barrier in a movie where we have to get interaction between these two on a closer level. And I think that's the big thing for me. These side characters, in the end, they do this thing where as this Rose has been dying, the castle is falling apart and all of the objects are becoming more and more object-like as they continue. And when the final petal falls, the beast is dead and Belle's crying over him and we pan down, because in a different part of the castle, we pan down to all of them on the grounds, slowly turning into objects. And one by one, they turn back and, they look, and, they're, and they're crying with each other, like, at least I got to see you one last time. Like, they give all the good lines to them and all the good emotion to them. And they all turn back into objects. And I cried in the theater at that. And then it cut back to Belle and the Beast. And I stopped crying. And I said to myself, the movie put more emotional importance upon the deaths of our secondary characters than on the emotional impact of our main characters. And when you do that, you done goofed. <laughs> I like our secondary characters. I love our secondary characters, but I cared more about them than I did about the two mains, which is the story's title. We're supposed to care about Beauty and the Beast and then care more about what happens to the other people too. It even plays that way when she first, she said, okay, I'm going to save you and bring you back to the castle because you saved me from the wolves. So she brings him back and he's in the bed. And she goes over to them and she's like, you know, what happened to you guys? I want to help you. Not I want to help the beast. She just knows that they're under a curse and I want to help you. It, one, takes away any sort of positive impact she could have had for just her own personal growth. Now it's become a, a quest. She's like, I got to save the people because that's the right thing to do. So I'm going to figure out what this curse is and break it for you guys. Not for this jackass who's in charge of all of this and who it, the curse is absolutely about. No, I want to help you guys because you're my friends. Again, they're the ones who bring her out of the chamber, out of the jail cell and take her to her room. They're the ones who tell her that, you know, he had a, you know, his mom died when he was young and his dad was mean to him. So you should take it easy on him too. Just all of these things that are these weird points to hit for our main character and for our secondary characters. I wish it wasn't like that. I wish it was a little bit better. Um, I wish a lot of things for this movie, honestly. Aaron, what do you think would be, like, what's the biggest change that has to occur to make this movie a good movie? Not even a good, ad not even a good adaptation, just a good movie. I, I honestly, I'd have to say probably some sort of, um, difference in, um, maybe difference in the songs themselves, or even um, a uh, even taking them out would be interesting to see. Apparently, they were thinking about doing that initially, is to make it a, not a musical anymore. I would love to see that version. So that's interesting. Um, I think some of the, there's so much fluff that can easily be taken out, like stuff with. What were you telling me? There was a scene you said that got cut for time. Yeah, yeah they were gonna. They were gonna. Um, well, first off, there's a whole character that never even got introduced in the movie that they filmed and it's now has deleted scenes in the uh, DVDs. But, um, the, uh, there's, there's a scene where LeFou is asking, says something to the enchantress and how does she have time 
do all this or is questioned on our methods, but it was cut for pad time or for uh, time length. I'm like, there's so much other shit that you could cut beyond this. Yeah, if you're going to make the Enchantress a recurring character that keeps showing up in your movie as a deus ex machina, you best have a scene explaining her motives, because otherwise she comes off as like a fae creature that just walks through life dealing out things without moral consequence. Don't you think? Like, she just, like, makes her own story at that point. Like, what's her what's her point? What was she supposed to have these people learn if she can just do anything she wants? Um, I don't know. <laughs> That's That was one big thing I didn't like is that the, the end, it was a little bit more intimate with Belle and Beast and, like, him about to rise up in the air. And, like, then she is now the one actually turning him back instead of the spell being broken. It, it doesn't work as well as it could. Yeah, if you... Like, say this. So you, you have the curse. You set up the rules for the curse. That's why it's really impressive at the end when she breaks it right before it ends. Because that enchantress isn't coming back to do this. She set this spell in motion. If they break it, that's great. But she's not coming back to check up on this. She went. In this one... She keeps coming back to see how things are going, to make sure that Maurice doesn't die in the forest, to make sure she to become a townswoman for some reason in this town where she has no idea that this character is going to end up going to the castle to save the beast. And at the end, after the rose has dropped its last petal, then Belle says, I love you. Then the Enchantress sees it and says, oh, okay, I'll just undo everything I did then. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a cop-out. I like that she was a recurring character, but... Yeah, it's still a bit of a cop-out at the end, so... I don't know. To make this movie better, it needs a lot of work. Yeah, this needs a couple more passes, guys. Yeah. And if you're worried about runtime, cut the other stuff that it makes it be an over an hour long. Literally, like, 45 minutes more than the original story. I know. I know. So weird. Why all these things? And unnecessary. They remove a lot of charm from it. Like, the character designs of the secondary characters. You said that you were kind of uh, upset with how those look, too. Okay. Well, the the sets were beautiful. The songs were blah. The acting was okay. Certain cases, like uh, Luke Evans as um, Gaston, he did, his, he did his fair share of trying. He actually, I felt like he was trying to be his own Gaston. He wasn't just trying oh, to yeah. be... Oh, yeah! This PTSD-riddled, war-loving... I wouldn't even say PTSD, like, PTSD is a bad thing. I would say PTSD as a great thing. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, all these things are interesting choices to make to this character. Yeah. I like that. I like it a lot. Yeah, LeFou being gay, so unnecessary. And so, and the thing is, the whole the controversy behind it, too, so unnecessary. There's a scene where a guy gets clothes thrown on him from the wardrobe, and and the original, it was like some cross-dressing joke. Like, oh, I'm in a wig and shoes. And he runs away. And... and now it was three of them that got dressed in the women's clothing. And one of them just stops and like looks at the dresser. And it's like, and like thank you for allowing me to be who I am. And yeah, like, and he looks so happy. Just like That would have been the scene for people to care about. Not that LeFou has gander tones. As far as that goes, it adds nothing to the complexity of the relationship. It's almost rather more interesting if they're just two really good friends. He just wants to hang out with his buddy. And how much more manipulative and duplicitous is it 
Because right now it just reads like Gaston knows that LeFou loves him and is playing him like a Stradivarius. And just saying, oh, I'll, I'll, you, you'll say whatever I want, won't you? I'll whisper in your ear, it's okay, it's cool. It's very, very manipulative. Uh, I don't think the controversy is worth anything, though, because nothing really truly gay happens in this. Yeah, really I mean, like, you get some insinuations from Josh Gabb, but that's about it. Yeah, there's, um, there's a lack of autonomy in our characters. Belle figures out very quickly that there's a spell in this castle that she has to solve. She, she puts it upon herself, I will break this curse. Instead of in the original where it's, I just have to learn to live in this isolation and I'll make friends and maybe grow to like this person who seems to be trapped here just as much as I. That's nice. But you don't get that in this new version. Likewise, the beast kidnaps her father and puts her in a dungeon and uh, then doesn't even think that the girl he has imprisoned here could possibly help him break this curse, which he objectively wants to be rid of. Oh no, what, what, not even, you know, the original one, you know, how could she love me? I, this is not going to work. He has real emotional pathos. Whereas this one is like, she's the daughter of a common thief. It's, he's, he plays it such a press because of that whole French aristocracy idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, it, it 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 removes autonomy from these characters who have great stories and ideas, and then it's like, all right, to make this more realistic and to pad out the runtime, we're gonna have to change this up a bit. He has funny lines. There's funny jokes that happen in there. There's some fun stuff mm. that I like. Um, well, like I mean, I feel like that's the term that this whole movie could have: unnecessary, <laughs> like, unnecessary to make it to begin with, unnecessary pads on the music unnecessary character development in or for characters that we don't really care about yeah and i wish that it wasn't unnecessary i would i know that there's a lot of people listening who are like no i went to see it and i got all those feelings again and it was just like when i went to see the original in theaters and to them i say i'm so glad that you felt that i it was the greatest tragedy of my year <laughs> that I didn't walk out being like, it's just like the olden days. And yeah. I wanted it to be so bad. Well, we've talked about what was bad, what could be improved and even what was good. Is there anything else you want to wrap up with? We can talk about my book. We can talk about your book. Let's talk about your book for a few seconds. Really? Cool. Yeah. Um, so like I, so I'll just say like, like what I said about fanfic, I know how hard it is to not write fanfic. Because I spent seven years working on my adaptation of Beauty and the Beast. And it was fanficy for six of those seven years. It was scary, guys. It was, well, I started when I was a little uh, sophomore. Little, little sophomore in high school. I think so. I Some, think uh, You actually let me read one of the first drafts. I know, when we first started dating. And it was real fanficy. It was modern day. I didn't even say that. You know, Belle, uh, Emma Watson plays Belle as a 21st century woman. And it's so weird. Um, but it was this girl in modern day and all this magic and things that I wanted to see. If I could make Beauty and the Beast the way I wanted to, I'd throw in these more scenes, which were all scenes that I'd read in other books that I wanted to see in my book. And it took me rewrite after rewrite after rewrite to get it to its own thing. But I don't know. I have to... I have to let other people say that for me. I think it's not fanfic, but... It's not a fanfic. It's more of a reimagining of the original story. Um, it's done very well. It's handled... It handles the source material, but 
from what I can see, it delves so much more into a certain area of it. It's um, it's very good, and it's hard for me to fully compliment things, especially if I know the the proprietary of the, uh, the I stuff. I could put a sheet between us. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's more so like it's hard for me that, to do that much when I know who it's coming from. Uh, when I don't know, it's e for some reason it's easier for me to do that. So, but since I know it's from you, I have a higher level of expectations. And so <laughs> when I say it's good, you know that it's coming from an unbiased place <laughs> or biased in that, you know, I expect the best from you. I know. You're my greatest critic. <laughs> well, I'm, a, I'm my own greatest critic too, so. When I, um, when I sat down and wrote it, to write it. Yeah, I'm a writer, guys. When I sat down to write it, I thought, for the last time, like the final, the good one, I said, okay, what are the themes I want to talk about most? And for me, the themes about Beauty and the Beast that always intrigued me the most were the idea of this man trapped in a beast's body. How can I write in a way that attacks the duality of that creature? Would they be more man than creature, more creature than man? What would that do to a psyche of a person who lived that way? Uh, similarly, the other one I attacked was the issue that most people have actually with Beauty and the Beast, which is Stockholm Syndrome. The idea that the person, if they grow to love their captor, it can it really be true love? Can yeah. it really be love because it's the only two you have around each other for months on end? You kind of have to love each other. Like that, That's all you really can do. And they play that card a lot. So for me, my book was about, all right, well, let's really address that and go full force. And in the end, I concluded, no, you can't. And that's why I created an entirely new set of circumstances for how this went down. Yeah, and uh, let's let's avoid any spoilers because we want people to read it. So You're sweet. Um, I think that it's definitely... People need to look into this. People need to get copies, and if they want them signed, they come to you. So, um, if you if you like the story of Beauty and the Beast as a story, I recommend my book. But I also recommend Beauty and Rose Daughter by Robin McKinley. They were my inspiration when I was growing up because Robin McKinley wrote Beauty as one of her first books. And then 20 years later, returned to the story and wrote in a completely different adaptation of Beauty and the Beast called Rose Daughter. Yeah. Two completely different audiences, two different stages of a writer's life, two completely different books, and yeah. both wonderful. Well, um, again, I think uh, I think everyone needs to check it out. And we'll have links down below on how to uh, purchase it or, you know, who to contact, stuff like that. So <laughs> I got, I'm on Amazon, baby. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but let's wrap up. Um, I think we've, I think we've hit the nail on the head and I definitely Repeatedly. let you, yeah. And I definitely let you go. So I can tell you were drifting there for a while. Well, I, I was, was screaming so much. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to, I was trying to just let you go because you let me go about Goosebumps. So I did. Well, you had a lot to say. Yeah. Next next week, we have an idea about what we're going to do, and it's going to be kind of interesting. Um, we're actually using uh, new audio equipment uh, today as well, and we're experimenting with it, some other things. So. Yeah, we can use all our peas and spit all we want. Nothing's going to get on this microphone now. Yeah, we've got some uh, interesting things. And, again, we're, we're trying out uh, something different right now, and then hopefully next week 
we're even going to have something even more uh, to do with, or even, sorry, even more fun, if you will. Yeah, I'm excited to watch something that I actually enjoy. Well, I mean, audio equipment rise, wise, oh, but yes, right, right. yes, next week is going to be, uh, uh, we're, we, this is going to be our first um, uh, listener suggestion, and um, we... One of our first. Because Clue and Murder by Death were one. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd still call this one the first one. (laughs) Because we asked the question, hey, what should we do? And someone's like, oh, you should do this. Exactly. So uh, we're going to be doing that next week. And um, uh, we've got, uh, of course, you know, all the plugs were at the beginning. If you need to find any more, you can just let us know. Should we rate this movie? That's what I was going to kind of end on. So, um before we give the ratings, I want to give a question. I want to say, cool. um, you they can choose either a, uh, what is your favorite adaptation of Beauty and the Beast, the 2017 version or the 1990s version, or if you don't really want to give an opinion on that, you know, you're tired of listening to us talk about it for an hour. Uh, what is your favorite Disney movie? would love to always hear that. So. Oh, I love talking about Disney movies. Yeah, we just won uh, Disney trivia. I know, we so. did. First place in Disney trivia. We know what we're talking about. Exactly. So, um, and, uh, but, yeah, and also, be sure to uh, like and subscribe and all that good junk and share. Um, we, we're trying to get this out and have more and more people listen to us because we 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 want to have a little bit of an audience so i make jokes about it all the time but we want to have a little bit you know of a following we do we have a couple dozen people who listen to us on soundcloud which is great yes so uh but yeah be sure to share like subscribe all the good junk so (laughs) um do you want me to give mine and are we doing out of five uh yeah you go first all right i'm gonna do 2.5 out of five because there are some really good things like Maurice and the the set design, but it just it it limps way too much. And it but then even when it limps, there's times when it rushes through, just trying to get through to the end. It's just like just got to get through the scene, just got to get through this shot, got to get through this song, and it's just I I feel like it's rushed. Okay. And not like they rush the project. The the some of the scenes are just entirely rushed. Mm-hmm. The pacing is not very good. There's crazy editing. Yeah. All these cuts to black and everything like that. So, all right. Moment of truth. Mm, 1.5. I think that's your lowest score yet. It is a film. So it can't be zero. It is a film. What, what was your score for Nessie? And God, Ray? I don't even remember. No, we didn't rate Nessie because it was just terrible. Okay, well, did we rate... And then if we didn't rate Nessie, I mean, we definitely didn't rate... Tammy um, and the T-Rex. Yeah. Okay, so how about this? This is a competently made film. They know how to work a camera. They know how to act. They know how to write dialogue. So the point... The, that's for the one. The point five is for some genuine moments... Scarce though they were, maybe one minute out of the total runtime, that was like, oh my gosh, yes, there it is, I remember, oh, and it wasn't just the pandering of scene for scene shot remake, it was, that's new, but it gives me the same feeling, and that's really cool, but so few of those scenes really make uh, an appearance in this. Wow. Um, I do not like this. 
and your rating may definitely be higher because to you guys, it's just another movie. Um, to this, us, this is our childhood. Like, to not say that, oh, it's more important to us because we care more. It's literally, I grew up on this. I care so much about this property, and I hate to see it come this direction. I hate to feel like it's betraying me. So last uh, last week was Aaron feeling betrayed by the adaptation of Goosebumps. This week, uh, Liz feeling uh, betrayed by the adaptation of Beauty and the Beast. What an astute observation, Aaron. <laughs> so um, That's a 4 out of 10. That is a 4 out of 10. And we're sure that there's going to be someone that disagrees with us and is like, no, oh, it's a 7 so or 8 So many people out of 10. liked it. Again, if you liked it, that's great. I'm so happy you liked it. Yeah, this is just our opinions. Uh, we, we... Aaron, tell me true. Tell me absolutely truly before we head out. When the movie ended, were you, first time you watched it in the theaters, when the movie ended, were you happy? No. Did you like it? No. And that's why was... you turned to look at me. You didn't say anything. You just turned to look at me. Because I was, I was silently, like, I was feeling the energy build. The energy of no matter what, I was saying to myself, I was not happy. And I didn't want that to be the case. So you really didn't feel like you like like it was not what you wanted when it ended oh gosh, the first time no. for you either. No, and it's, it's like there's so many problems. Like I love Emma Watson, but that wasn't the, like her singing specifically. But it's just like it didn't feel right. So there's plenty of those situations. Just like oh, this doesn't feel right. I just wanted to make sure that in my 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 lust for vengeance. Though I had a tendency of a thousand sons that I have not ruined film for you. No, you've not ruined film or this film for me. So, but uh, I think we've gone on long enough about this. What All right. Are you saying? I will. Uh, I will end it by saying that Aaron and I were in a high school production of Beauty and the Beast, and he was a gargoyle slash villager. Eggman. Eggman. Uh, and I was napkin number four. Yeah, you were the most. Even though the number is kind of higher, it's not number one or number seven. You were the most important napkin because they actually like built the dance around you. <laughs> I wanted to be Belle so bad, and I knew every song, but they threw in one of the musical only songs at tryouts, yeah. which I knew nothing about. And of course, I flubbed it entirely. I. Hated the person they picked to play Belle. You hated the person they picked to play Beast. Oh my gosh! The uh, well, the the person that they picked to play Beast, he was good. He was just a jerk in real life. Well, that's why. That's why I did not like the girl who played Belle either. In like the the director who did it, he he said that I remember he saying this back when we were freshmen. He said like one of the hardest things to do as a director, if you direct a musical, is finding the perfect cast. Or finding the perfect casting for, uh, choice because either you have to find an actor who can sing or a singer who can act and the problem is is those are few and far between so you find an actor who can carry a couple notes or you find a singer who can maybe get a few laughs and the thing is is the guy who they got to do uh, LeFou and Gaston. Gaston, perfect casting choices. Uh, the guy who was uh, Gaston could sing. He was hilarious, but he had that. He could have that intensity. LeFou uh, is a friend of mine. Uh, shout out to Matt Laborde. Uh, absolutely hilarious. He is a he. Uh, he was actually one of my idols in high school for <laughs> body humor or like a, a physical humor. 
Um, now that dude is ripped. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then, you know, I was actually the understudy for Maurice. Um, and the guy who they got to play Maurice did a good job, but he could sing better than me. Um, uh, I, I would have had the emotions better, but he, he could sing better than me. So that was absolutely, I could absolutely see that. Um, but the girl that they got to play Belle, oh, the, the, this, the, um, the line, uh, he's not a monster, uh, Gaston, you are. Every time I, and I had to watch her because I, I was on stage, so I had to pay attention to her. And I'm just like, every time in my head, I'm like, give me a break. Uh, oh, it was funny though. Uh, in that scene, like when he shows the, uh, the beast off, he shows the mirror off. There's a girl right next to me and like, I grab her and I hold her. I'm like, Oh no, I'll protect you. It was a friend of mine's girlfriend. <laughs> and I, and like when, cause she, she ended up next to me in the, whenever we we're, uh, uh, getting ready or like we're first setting up the scene. And I'm just like, wouldn't it be funny if like I held on to you every night? She's like, yeah, that'd be hilarious. I, I can't remember if he was actually in the play or not. I think he was either the uh, the human version in the uh, the narration, or he wasn't. And he but he came and watched her every night. It's so funny. Like I kept grabbing her. Like I think one night I saw him out in the audience. I'm like, <laughs> I was fourth napkin, oh, and yeah. I have better associations with that production than I do you, with this movie. Like you were given like special 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 leeway because you were going to be gone for like one of the biggest rehearsals no i was going to be not late to the show late to call one of the days we were performing because i was in a wedding yeah my cousin's wedding yeah and like when you told the the girl who's the the dance uh the dance lead she like worked with the the director and was like, we have to have her in there because you were one of the few girls who wanted to do this, who was so who was competent in dancing and you weren't just competent. You were great. <laughs> like I upgraded me before you finished that sentence and you weren't just confident. You were fantastic. Thanks, babe. Thank you. I got you, babe. And you know, maybe, maybe time has tempered it. I know you hated the production. I know you couldn't watch the movie with me for a while because it's so sour. It's, yeah, you. but it's, I mean, we've, we're almost on our 10 year anniversary mm -hmm. of uh, graduating. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm much, it's much easier for me to I, watch these. I will end this. I mean, we literally, we really will end by yeah. saying that just as that, you know, that may have soured the movie for you. The original make you question whether the original is actually good. This remake Never for a single instant makes me question the validity or greatness of the original. Yeah, that's good. Nothing about it says, but was it really that good? No, because the day after I watched the, you remember, the day after the live action one, I was sitting at home and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, maybe I'm just being too hard on it. I bet, you know, it's been a while since I watched the original. I bet I'm just being a bunch of nostalgic, you know, bunch of rose colored glasses. So I put it on. And I was weeping at the end. I'm like, nope. <laughs> it's the original. I'm it's like, just I mean, that good. I can see, still see like the very first shot and the music in my head. I'm just like, so like just how striking it is. So, so yeah, we're we're so go watch the original. Yeah, it'll give you all the woman fuzzies. Yep, yep. You want to see it done right? Go watch that. You want to see remakes done right? Go see it. Or um, um, well, I'm, that's the only one I can think of right now. Because I'm not going to spend 20 seconds just even trying to think about it. Uh, Ella Enchanted. 
It's not a remake. Sorry, it's not Ella Enchanted. No, the the one that was uh, the one with Demi. Ever After. Ever After, thank it's you. A, not, again, not really a remake. It's more of a reimagining. But, yes, that was still really good. So. We've talked about reimaginings, too, yeah. during this, so it's not so far-fetched. Yeah. Maybe we'll see what Ready Player One does. Well, i got to read the book first. Okay, so Ready Player One has all sorts of references to Spielberg properties, but Spielberg is directing it, so he's like... Yeah, so I'm probably going to remove all the Spielberg references because it's too <laughs> self-serving. And they're like, no, that's 20% of the book's charm. You don't get to do that just because it makes you feel bad. Go let someone else direct it then. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> she's been Elizabeth. He's been Aaron. And, and we're, we're married, married to, to the idea. idea. A tale as old as time. <laughs>